Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 280 of the world's most dangerous podcast. Joining me tonight for this trade deadline spectacular, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? I am excited. <laughs> is that uh, serious or are you uh, being sarcastic here? No, I don't. I, I have a lot of different uh, emotions going on right now and thoughts, so I don't know. I, I got, uh, I'm overwhelmed. How about that? <laughs> There's a lot to unpack about what's happened the last few days. And, you know, I've sort of gone both ways on everything, and we'll, we'll talk about all that uh, as, we, as we move on here. Got a lot of questions about trade deadline things. But let's go ahead and sort of look at the timeline. Last night, and of course we're recording this a day early this week. We usually record on Thursdays. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Last night, Tuesday, the uh, Reds and Pirates were engaged in uh, a fight to the finish, so to speak. And uh, Jesse Winker said it was a hard-fought win to, uh, this in this series. He was right. The Reds did win the series, but they lost last night. But, of course, last night, uh, while fighting on the field, and we'll talk about that a little bit, there were some trades made, so... Let's begin with the first deal. There were three trades the Reds made at the trade deadline, way more active than I thought they were going to be at the trade deadline. And maybe you can give us your thoughts on that in a moment, Chris. But the first one was the biggie, essentially. The Reds traded right fielder Yasiel Puig. Oh, it makes me sad to just say that. The Puig era is over. They traded uh, their number one prospect, Taylor Trammell, and left-handed pitcher Scott Moss, a... uh, a farmhand, basically, but a, a decent-looking uh, left-handed pitching prospect. Traded them, in a, and it's a three-way deal involving the Padres and the Cleveland Indians. The long and the short of it is the only one coming back to Cincinnati is right-handed pitcher Trevor Bauer. Do you have some thoughts about this? Uh, I know we, we each had some thoughts on Twitter after it happened, but after a day of reflecting, do you have any more thoughts on this deal? Yeah, lots of thoughts on this deal. So the thing is, my thoughts are are in two different two different categories. And I, I think it's probably best to just separate them. And it's it's a, as a baseball trade and then kind of as as just a person trade and a fan and how I feel about it kind of from that perspective. Sure. And maybe I'll knock the first part out and then move on and we'll talk baseball. But as I said on Twitter, the Reds traded a guy, and it's really two guys, because T- Taylor Tamel is a really cool young player. They t- traded two guys that I really liked, yeah. and I really enjoyed rooting for. And they're bringing a guy back who, you know, admittedly I haven't followed him that closely, but I'm not a big fan of Trevor Bauer. His his act is, uh, I don't know, it's it's something, man. It's I mean, something. he the, the profile in Sports Illustrated last year. When I read that, I was just kind of. My mind was blown. And and look, I'm not naive. I know that most, many, say many, professional athletes, these are guys who are young, aggressive, have had a ton of success, and have had people kissing their tails since they were 12 years old. I know that most of them probably aren't very nice people, and I wouldn't want them to be my neighbor. And I'm comfortable with that. I don't, you know, I don't get my heart broken when I – professional athlete turns out to be a creep but don't rub my nose in it either you know what i mean i think that's kind of the deal like the reds have had some bad apples in the last few years but uh if nothing else they kind of kept their mouth shut about it and uh 
And they were worse. I mean, they were way worse a person than Trevor Bauer. I don't know how what he is as a, a human being. I just don't care for his kind of public persona and statements. Yeah. So I wasn't thrilled to have him come onto my favorite team and have to either root for him actively or passively or tolerated or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, sort of something that I, you know, I kind of hinted at it in my piece that's coming out in Cincinnati Magazine tomorrow. It's not about the, the whole all the controversy around Bauer, but um, I, and I knew we would get into this tonight because it's a real thing. You know, the, the baseball's supposed to be fun for us, and one of the things I said was the Reds, whether however you grade this on a baseball level, and we'll talk about that in a moment. The Reds absolutely, first of all, got way less fun, and, and I like my teams to be fun. Yasiel Puig is fun. Ted Trammell, you know, we don't know him that well. And I want to talk more about his uh, status as a potential big leaguer. But if you ever read any interview or hear any interview with that guy, he's smart. He's uh, He has such a clue about everything related to his career. And I just, I'm nothing but impressed with his uh, his persona that we've seen. And the Reds got less fun. And then you got the other thing about uh, yeah, Bauer is just, uh, he's just, I don't know. Everything you said is absolutely correct and Anyone who says that they're less excited about the Reds or don't want to watch the Reds every five days when he's pitching, I can't argue with any of those people. I think it's completely reasonable because his 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 public persona is, well, you've described it well. Let me just, I'm going to try to figure out how to put this in, in my terms. I don't, I try never to comment publicly on any of this stuff, um, on any of the bad actors that are in sports. And, I, you know, and, and on Bauer as well, although I'm going to be uh, sort of forced to it a, to a little bit. Um, and I'm not happy about him being on my team on that level. And I never say that about any athlete. And, and the reason why, let me just, I don't like the way that people pile on on the Internet, first of all. And that's not that that's what's happening here, because it's absolutely not. Bauer's kind of earned some scorn. But I think by the nature of my daily job, I am required to judge people at their worst moment, at their very worst. And I have seen very, very well that that is almost rarely who the person is. The person that committed the acts, it's very rarely who that person really is. And I'm maybe not describing this well, but that's why I always, when I, I just talk, let's talk baseball, let's talk basketball, let's talk football, whatever we're talking about. I'll talk about the, you know, from that standpoint, I just, I'm, I don't feel like I know, Bauer well enough to judge that he is a bad person. I think he's given us plenty of evidence in favor of that uh, proposition, but that, that's why I've been hesitant to say anything, not because I support Trevor Bauer, um, but because, I don't know, I just, it's strange for no, me to say, I try not to judge. I, no, I get it. I get it. And I think, uh, I think, you know, for me, what I, what, how I'd react to that is say that the you know the kind of burden of proof and the standard of evidence for whether I'm going to cheer for a guy is pretty darn low. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, it's it is this somebody was on Twitter a little while ago was being critical of fans in general and saying now how how these guys are not going to cheer for this guy on the Reds. I'm like man, th- we talk about this a lot. There's no obligation to do anything exactly. here. That's, that's why this I, is fun. That's why I say I don't argue do with anyone. anyone. Who, who? If you don't like their uniforms? Don't cheer for them. If you don't like you know. The way a guy stands in the batter's box, don't cheer for him. I mean, I, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's why I say if you, if, you, if you don't like Trevor Bauer and that causes you to dislike the Reds more, you're absolutely right. I don't have any <laughs> issue whatsoever with that. Uh, do I want to see him necessarily on the mound? Not particularly. Uh, I would prefer to have a 
25 reds who are all, you know, upstanding citizens that you uh, wouldn't mind, you know, babysitting your kid. Uh, I, I don't think we've ever had that in the history of my fandom with the Cincinnati Reds. It's just Bauer's been more public about it, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Um, so anyway, well, that that is what it is, and I think everyone that uh, doesn't like Trevor Bauer is probably right not to do so. But that's why I haven't commented on it and why I'm going to – at this point, I think we got it out of the way. Maybe we can stick to the baseball side of it. You said you had two thoughts about it. What's your thoughts on the baseball side of it? Because that's, uh, that's interesting. Oh, that's, much, that's a lot harder. You it know? is. Um, and so – and I guess I can divide this into you know 2A and 2B also. So one is like, is he a good player and is he going to improve the team? And yeah, he's really, he's a really good pitcher. No, no doubt about it. Um, there's a lot of questions in my mind about how good he really is. You know, I think in, in, in my mind, based on all the hype and the off season and everything, you know, I had this picture that he was this elite pitcher. He was up there with Verlander and Chris sale and he was, you know, one of the top guys. And I, I opened up the, the stats yesterday and I was like, you know, he had a great year last year, but gosh, he hasn't he hasn't really been too great before that. And, uh, you know, he's only got one time Cy Young award votes, one time an all-star and he only came in sixth. I guess his talk about, you know, being a billion dollar brand and everything made me consider that he was better on the field too. And I, I think, you know, he's durable, he's really good and he's throwing a ton of innings. So that's where he's a step above Tanner Roark. Yeah, he's got kind of the same rate stats, but he's just done done that like fifty percent more, and fifty, which is good, and not fifty, four years younger, or something like yeah, that. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I think you're right. I was when I went to look at his stats, I was a little bit shocked that they weren't better overall. They're they're pretty good, and last year was off the charts amazing. But I don't know. I was expecting a little more, but I do see a guy that's been pretty good, certainly an above average pitcher. Um well above average last year, elite last year, this year, uh, well above average. Um, and you, and, and, and so I guess if you're looking glass half full, you got, Hey, we got this guy who just turned 28 and who had such a great year last year. And now he's with our buddy, Derek Johnson, the Reds new pitching coach who, uh, everyone seems to believe is a, a miracle worker and, and, and Bauer for all his faults. And, and there were many, He's evidently uh, really he's into the driveline stuff, the uh, you know the analytics of pitching, and uh, there's some thought that, that Derek Johnson, secondhand, uh, had said to some. Uh, I think Jesse Winker maybe mentioned it that, uh, that he's looking forward to getting hold of him and working with him. So you know that's if you're looking for the, a reason to really like the deal, then maybe the Reds got another ace. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm to not some bet level, on that. to some degree, uh, the, the Derek Johnson stuff. I'm kind of like, well, he, if he's going to improve every pitcher that comes in here, I don't really know. What that kind of evens out, right? But uh, one thing I found was on last night online was a, a bit about what he had been doing with all the Cleveland pitchers. Because you know somebody said, "Oh, well, he's going to help everybody get better." I'm like, I doesn't really seem like a, a tutor type of guy, but apparently he was. Apparently he was sitting down with video and you know uh, Statcast data and all that kind of stuff, and really helping those other Cleveland pitchers refine their pitch design and and approaches and all this kind of stuff in a way that, you know, almost sounded like an, another pitching coach. So I saw a quote from Mike Clevenger who, that said exactly that, that he was just was, uh, you know, like another pitching coach. Yeah. And if that's the deal, I mean, if he, I don't know that, you know, um, Luis Castillo needs any work, but if, if Bauer wants to 
teach him an, another pitch or or really get that slider up as good as the changeup. All right, that's cool. So he's a guy just from the baseball side of it, you know. If you give me a guy with his uh, numbers without telling me what the name is, I'd be like, yeah, that's a guy that I, I would like to have. I think he helps the Reds, but then you got to talk about what they gave up. And I think a lot of us were waiting after the trade was announced for the other shoe to drop. Well, who, who else are the Reds going to get? They gave, they gave away some good players, and there's got to be somebody else in the, in, in the deal, and there wasn't, of course. So to me, the, the two ways I look at it is at the deal are I looked at it last night in the context of what the Mets gave up to get Marcus Stroman. And in that context, it looks like the Reds got fleeced. But if you look at it just sort of on its own, I guess you can make an argument that it's reasonable. Does that make sense the way I'm trying to frame yeah, it? Yeah, well, and I think that's that's a generous way to look at it because I had the same reaction. And and it's these are two data points that are one week apart or four days apart. And it's just hard to deny it. And maybe there wasn't a fit and a matchup and the, the you know, the the... the the Jays wanted pitching prospects and the Reds didn't have those. So, you know, I don't know. I feel like they could have laundered, laundered their prospects through some other team like they did on this deal to get a match. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I love Stroman. I, I, I think he's a, a really good pitcher. I, I like him better than Bauer. Uh, and obviously the price the Mets paid was way, way lower. And Stroman's a ground ball guy plays really well at great American ballpark. Well, think. Yeah, and that's the real thing that you know. I, once we I, once we dig into these numbers a little bit, or, and uh, I think that's the biggest risk with with Bauer is his home run rate. Yeah, and I think Eno Saris was was talking last night about last year. You know, Bauer led the league in fewest home runs allowed. I think I think that was one of the yeah. He gave up only point five home runs every nine innings. Yeah, and you know what was that? Nine home runs nine all season year, long. Yeah. And, you know, this is where it gets beyond me, but the, the, the batted ball data said that he should have given up like what, 21 or something. Oh, I didn't see that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, cause he got really lucky on fly balls. Basically, I think they just hit him to the deepest part of the park when they hit him. And so this year he's regressed quite a bit. His, his, his career numbers are about one homer per every nine innings. So, you know, you, you tack on what is that 20 more home runs yeah or 10 more home runs i guess in a season and put him in great american ballpark scary yeah it you know he's no bronson arroyo but that kind of takes a little bit of the 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 luster off of it i think but can he be i guess uh, the the biggest argument to me is given what they gave up he may help the team this year we'll talk about whether he makes the 2019 team better i don't know you can argue either way on that one uh, he certainly makes the 2020 team better because even what if he's just a number three starter? Well, that's a pretty good top three, uh, and and then if you keep Alex Wood around for next year, it's a pretty good top four. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think he, you know, it's, it's, I think bot, you know, the floor on this deal is he slots in where Tanner Roark is this year. Yeah, and, and, we, is and it, we get another is year it, of it. Yeah, he's a good. So the 2020 team, you got you've got Castillo and Gray, who I expect to be a little bit better, and Bauer. Uh, slotted in at three, and maybe he's pitched as well as the other two guys. But here's the problem with that. That's not any better than they are now. True. True. Roark was pretty good. You know, so you, you're you back. You just flip Roark, who is underrated and surprisingly effective for Bauer. And, yeah, you get 50 more innings of it that comes off the back of the bullpen 
So that's maybe an improvement, but I don't I don't see this as like a massive upgrade for 2020. Unless he is the guy he was like, or somewhere closer to the guy he was last year, in which case it's huge. If he's not, then it's probably Tanner Roark again, which is okay too. And the Reds have had a good pitching staff with Tanner Roark, so I don't know. I think maybe the, maybe the floor is not too low either on this. Yeah, but I guess I guess the biggest point is and we'll get to this. Is like they need to do, they're not done. They better not be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this only makes sense if they spend a lot of money or uh, make a lot more deals to get some uh, some other guys in here over the winter. Uh, and I'd hope before the deadline we might get another hitter in here. So let's talk uh, briefly, if we could, about the two guys that were the, uh, the two primary pieces that uh, went away in exchange for Trevor Bauer. Uh, not to not to uh, you know talk uh, poorly of Scott Moss or anything, but it's clearly Taylor Trammell and Yasiel Puig were the two guys. Uh, the Puig era is over in Cincinnati, and I had an absolute blast, and I'm really sad that it's over. Yeah, I'm with you, man. He was he was an absolute delight and just one of the best surprises I think I've ever had in baseball yeah. as a fan. Just He came in with a, a shady reputation and from day one proved every bit of it wrong. Yeah. Now, but, you know, and we love him. And he's going to be a good player for the rest of the year for the Indians. The flip side is the Indians only traded for 57 games of Yasiel Puig. And if you believe what the Reds' uh, brass have said, they hadn't even talked. In matter of fact, Nick Crawl, GM Nick Crawl, said today they hadn't even discussed an extension with Yasiel Puig. Dick Williams uh, said he didn't think they had made any progress on it, but Nick Crawl said they hadn't even discussed it uh, with with Puig. Well, well, I think I would have at least tried to discuss it. <laughs> I hope that I hope that's not true. Hope that's not literally what he meant. I hope not, because that's uh, seems like a malpractice in some ways. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's, yeah, it's you know, fifty-seven games of Puig. That's that's what we gave up. That's fair. And Puig has not knocked the cover off the ball this year. He's been okay. Yeah, I like him. I'd like to have him. He's in been our a lineup. blast, but in, on the field, in this, you know, on the back of the baseball cards, not going to look that great. Right. And so, how this trade plays in your mind, I think, largely depends on what you think of Taylor Trammell, who was, uh, maybe kind of by default after Hunter Green's injury, the number one prospect in the Reds, and after Senzel uh, elevated to the major leagues, the number one prospect in the Reds' system. So what are your thoughts on Trammell and uh, and his status and his value as a trade chip here? I I really like him. I like him as a as a kid. From what I can see, he seems cool. Um, he seems smart. He's he hasn't took, he didn't take a big forward leap. That, that regression word that I saw thrown around by Ken Rosenthal and then everyone picked it up. That's nonsense. But he didn't improve this year, and he didn't he didn't maintain his level when he was promoted to Double A, which we thought last year was overdue. So I can't tell you he's a can't miss prospect by any means. I am fine with him trading him. I am just pretty convinced that they traded him at the bottom of his value, probably. Probably true. Probably true. I just, I've always looked at his numbers, and I've never thought the numbers, because I've, I've not really seen him play other than the Futures games, and a couple games here and there on uh, MILB uh, TV, but not seen him play much at all, not enough to really judge him. But just looking at his numbers, I have never been terribly impressed with uh, the actual numbers that he's put up. Now, he's always been young for the league he's in. He's still young for uh, the league he's in. He's 21 and in double A. 
He's not been good this year at all. I mean, he's really been bad. He's always had really good plate discipline. Uh, and that's why I said earlier, I think he's got a really good uh, idea of what he's doing. And that's why I think he's a, pr- a probable big leaguer. Uh, do I think he's going to be an all-star? I, I don't know that I see anything in his resume, uh, what how he's produced on the field, that tells me this guy's a future all-star. I think he's very likely to make the big leagues because he um, he is going to get on base enough to, to help a team probably. But I don't know. I think I think it depends. I've never been fully sold on Tremel. Uh, at least it's not as much as everyone else. I'm kind of the low man, I think, is the way I saw someone put it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I want, I want him to be really good, but I don't know that he's going to be. His, uh, the lack of power has kind of always been the thing that, that I was waiting to see it develop. You know, he's, he's a big framed kid, and he's strong. Obviously, he's athletic. I, I was just hoping to see, you know, him. Even if it's not home runs, I'd like to see him hitting 55, 60 extra base hits a year. I mean, 6'2", 215. I mean, that's a pretty good-sized kid. Yeah. I mean, this year he's got 17 extra base hits and 381 plate appearances. That that ain't good. It's not. And, again, he's bumping up a level. And the, the, I agree. The regression, that word, is ridiculous. He's bumping up a level. Sometimes it takes a while to adjust to a level. But he's not been good. I mean, we can't, uh, can't deny that. That doesn't mean he's not going to, you know, get things figured out. But, I don't know, I think the way you value this trade, um, from a baseball standpoint, depends largely on what you think of Taylor Trammell. If you really think he's a can't-miss guy, then the Reds probably way overpaid here. seems the Reds, uh, A, did not think he was a can't-miss guy, and or B, uh, they they traded him when he was at his <laughs> lowest value, I guess. Is, I think you're right about that. And that that's happened before. <laughs> With this team? Absolutely. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, I... Uh... I don't mind when they overpay. I mean, Matt Lato's deal was a classic overpay, but it was a perfect overpay. Yeah. In that they they used excess minor league prospect depth to fill up a you know a very clear hole at the major league roster. And I don't know that this is exactly the same situation. It's not. I, mean, I think if I really think if the Stroman trade hadn't happened, I would probably look at this and think, yeah, it's a pretty fair trade. You know, you have to give up mm-hmm. something to get something, and the Reds gave up something, and you know, uh, it is what it is. I would I wouldn't have thought the Reds, uh, you know, had gotten the deal of the century, but, but I don't think they would have uh, quote unquote lost the trade either. It's just that Stroman trade keeps <laughs> messing with my head. Yep, I'm 100. percent So, all right, well, so the next trade uh, that happened, and uh, a little bit of action right before the trade deadline. Tanner Roark was sitting at Arby's eating a beef and cheddar. And finds out uh, that he was traded to the Oakland Athletics in exchange for a center fielder, Jamison Hanna. Uh, any thoughts about this? Quickly, I mean, we we expected Roark to get traded, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, the all all the Roark trade does is is put a very clear period on the 2019 season, and the the Reds and Reds adjacent media perpetuated myth that they weren't giving up on 2019 and and well we're getting you know trevor bauer for for 2019 and 2020 it, it, they're they're done they know that they're not going to catch everybody they're seven games out you're crazy they, they're catching everyone if they get lucky then they get lucky but they are not investing in 2019 anymore i think you know, i don't know that i would go as far as as that but I think if they were really, truly investing in 2019, they go out and get a bat right now. 
or at least a relief pitcher down the stretch or, or someone in relief. Um, instead, what they did was they traded uh, three guys of the uh, five. They traded three. Uh, well, all the major league guys they traded were guys who were not going to be uh, or not, not under contract. We'll say with the yeah. Reds after this year, it was get, and it was the kind of things they, they should have been doing for And you know, they, they do it sometimes, sometimes they don't, but when they should have traded Matt Harvey last year, Mm-hmm. This this is trading Tanner Roark now, so I can't complain about it. You know that's a, a good comparison because Tanner. This is a great bit of business for the Reds, is the way I put it. Uh, Jamison Hanna, he's a center fielder. He was drafted in the second round in 2018. He's you know number seven, number eight prospect in the A's system, which is kind of a middle of the road system. It's not awful. It's not great. Um, you know, so he's not a top tier prospect, but he was a second round pick last year. He's 21. He's got some upside. Uh, you know, there's a chance he turns into a big leaguer. He's not. He's not awful. But the Reds got Tanner Roark in the offseason essentially for free, as far as I'm concerned. They you traded uh, Tanner Rainey for him, who's a really was a nothing prospect, frankly, uh, maybe top 30 in the Reds organization. And what they got out of that trade was they got Jameson Hanna, who's a better prospect, plus four months of pretty good pitching from Tanner Roark. Uh, to me, that's a that's a pretty good uh, piece of business as far as I'm concerned. And you're right. It's what they should have been doing all along. And they could have done it with Harvey. Yep. So Did did you know Tanner Rainey was a second-round pick? I think I did know that at one point, and he throws really hard. But has he uh, sniffed the big leagues this year? Yeah. He's pitched uh, 28 games for the Nationals. Is that right? With a, yeah. Uh, where is it here? Maybe I'm wrong. That's just how much I pay attention to the Nationals. Yeah, a 4.07 ERA, which is above league average. Um, okay. Then he's walking a lot of guys. He's walking seven per nine innings, but he's striking out 13.7. So That's that big fastball he's got. Yeah, but, but, I, but I still think, I don't think anyone would argue that. Yeah, I'm not going to defend it. I'm not going to criticize that trade at all. Right, yeah. I mean, the Reds got a hand as a better prospect uh, with a chance, for, you know, to be something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what he is because he, he, he he's a little guy. He he hits no power at all. I don't yeah. I don't know what his game really is. He doesn't steal a lot of bases. He doesn't. I don't know. He's kind of a, a shadow of of uh, Taylor Trammell, really. The the A's somebody in the A's front office earlier this spring compared him to uh, a Michael Brantley type, quote unquote. So you know, okay, sure, if he's Michael Brantley. I'll take that. But he's five he's, nine. He's I don't know, whatever. He's got three home runs in his professional career. It's three more than you have. It's true. So, um, so anyway, Tanner Roark was great for the Reds. No issues with him at all. He is just uh, he looked great in the throwback uniforms, and I um, wish him the best of luck with the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> we need to briefly mention the final trade because this is the one that has some people uh, displaying a little consternation. The Reds traded second baseman Scooter Jeanette and Cash to the Giants for a player to be named later. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know about Cash. That's the way it was officially announced. Was it that that guy who they drafted a couple years ago? <laughs> Cash Case. No, yeah, was it? It wasn't that no. guy. It was actual U- U.S. legal tender. Ah, all that's public and private. Exactly. So, uh, I don't know what to say about this. Scooter really didn't have a place here anymore. It was unfortunate he got hurt this year and wasn't able to. You know, build on what he did the last couple of years. He was a really good hitter the last couple of years. Really fun guy to root for. Um, pretty good chapter in your book about him. And yeah. uh, but this is the this is the everyone. I'm 
trying to be nice here. Reds, a lot of Reds fans act like Scooter Jeanette is a, a stud, a star. This is what Scooter Jeanette is worth on the free market. We had to pay cash, and we're taking a player to be named later. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I have nothing against Scooter Jeanette. I, I appreciate. It. I, I took everything Scooter Jeanette gave as uh, playing with house money. Honestly, yeah. You know, it was all bonus. It was all. Uh, it was. It was all bonus. And it's a guy they got for free. Yeah. And, you know, how they gave him away for free. But they got a lot of production out of him. They did. They did. They, that's a transaction they won in the end. Absolutely. So, all right. You want to answer a few questions, then we'll uh, we'll uh, put this one to bed. We got a well, let's hear what of, the viewers say. Yeah, we got a bunch of questions from viewers. Uh, first group is from our uh, our friends at uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the Reds. Uh, support, you can't support the Reds. Why would you support the Reds? But you can support Red Leg Nation Radio. And uh, I want to give a big thank you out to our uh, latest Patron, our latest viewer at patreon.com slash redlegradio, John Sheary. John, really appreciate you, uh, really appreciate you joining the, uh, the, the crew of dedicated viewers at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Our first question comes from our buddy Cameron Dickens. It's a good name right there, Cameron Dickens. I like it. Yeah. Cameron Dickens says, the Trevor Bauer move signifies that the Reds are all in for 2020, considering he's only controlled through next season and has publicly stated he has no interest in signing long-term contracts with any team. A winning Reds team in 2020 has to have an improved offense. What would your first off-season order of business be to make the Reds a legit contender and supplement what they did in the Bauer deal? Now, let me just say first, I think it's a good question, Cameron. I think that the Bauer move is all about 2020. As Chris alluded to a moment ago, uh, it clearly improves the team that we have under contract as of now for next year. Our 2020 team is better, um, but they have work to do. And that's where we came into the uh, question earlier of if there's not something more to come, then this is a silly, silly deal. What's uh, What do you think? What's your first offseason order of business to, uh, to, to push the Reds forward to quote-unquote all-in? They got to get a an all star caliber outfielder, or I suppose a second baseman, uh, or or a shortstop if there is such a thing. But they need a an all star level hitter added to this lineup if they really want to be a playoff World Series contending team. And I don't know who that name is because everyone's going to ask that question. I'm looking at the list of potential free agents, and it, it ain't on there. Well. Nick Castellanos is on there. He's okay. He just got traded. Um, Didi Gregorius. If you're looking for a shortstop, it's going to be a free agent. I'm trying to think uh, in my head who I, because I looked at it earlier. Um, Yasiel Puig. Yeah, I know. He's one of the few guys under 30. Yeah. Um, Yasmani Grandal. Yeah. Not enthused by Yasmani Grandal? I'm not. I'm not. Former Reds farmhand? Yeah. You're anti-Brewers, though. Really, it's just anti-Milwaukee. Is that right? Yeah. You know what? I love Laverne and Shirley. My position on that is well-known to everyone. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, first of all, if this is our team, I think we got to go all in on offense. And perhaps Josh Van Meter is a guy that slots in somewhere. I'm probably way out over my skis on Josh Van Meter right now. I'm very excited about him. But he has no track record yet. So everything I see, I love. 
but I, I'm looking forward to seeing him play the rest of the season. Could he yeah, be the I mean, second are, baseman? Are are you? He could, but are you going to be comfortable if you watch Josh Van Meter play for August and September this year, and he hits three twenty? Uh, are you going to be comfortable handing him the the job next year and expecting that same result? Which job? Second base. Second base. What? Well, what? Well, yeah, I guess. I think so because he has always had great plate discipline. And I think uh, Jason Linden said this. Uh, he uh, has he he made a specific change, you know, a year and a half ago or whenever it was, and not even a year and a half ago, not even that long ago, that explains the increased production this year. And he's carried it over to the big leagues. And I love the way he approached it. He and Sinzel, just watching them bat, has been a revelation coming up from uh, the minor leagues because they, uh, kind of like Ted Trammell, <laughs> frankly, uh, the dearly departed, rest in peace, Taylor Trammell. Uh, I, if he continues to, I'm not expecting him to hit whatever he's hitting, 312, whatever he's hitting right now, the rest of the year. But if he, you know, looks close to that, I'm probably comfortable with that. But I, I think we have to add someone in the outfield. I think you absolutely have to go get an outfielder. And who who is there? Puig or Castellanos? Or uh, that's even pronounced. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just I just look at Van Meter's stats and I think, how is this guy slugging? A hundred points better than he did anywhere else in the prior in his career, and maybe he made an adjustment. Maybe it's the baseball. I don't know, but I, I got to see more. I agree. I agree. I'm way out. Like I said, I'm way out over my skis on him. I'm I'm very likely to be uh, to regret my support for him, but I don't know. I just I love watching. I love his swing. I love. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm a Josh Van Meter fan. So. Uh, so, yeah, the Reds have to get a big-time hitter. If they get a big-time hitter, I think they can cobble together a pretty good team. But I don't know how they get that guy. They're going to have to open their pocketbooks. Well, and that's the problem because they've used up the the trade chips now. Exactly. The cupboard's more, you know, I don't say it's bare, but there's no, you know, marquee blue chipper ready to go. I mean, really, what do you have, Hunter Green and uh, – who's hurt and had Tommy John surgery and although I'm sure still has some value, uh, Jonathan India, who has, you know, not improved his resume in his, uh, first full pro season. Uh, yeah. I mean, Aristides Aquino, they've got all these guys who, who I, I don't know. I just, there's, there's nothing you can, there's nobody you can be like, well, we're just like, like we could with Senzel. I felt very comfortable you can put Sinzel in this lineup, and you, and you're pretty confident he's going to be okay. You don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. There's anybody plug and play like that. No, I, I agree. I agree, one hundred, one hundred percent. Um. I, and and with the, in terms of not having the trade chips, I'm not sure there's going to be much on the free agent market. There may be, and that's the the next question we have from our buddy, uh, Joe Farsing. The uh, the Reds rotation looks legitimately scary for 2020, but this seems to lock them into signing a free agent bat or three in the offseason. They have the money to get Grandall, he mentions, plus others. But how much of a letdown would it be if they come away empty-handing? Empty-handed. If I could read, that's what it would have said. Empty-handed. Uh, and and that's, that's the thing. They, they're going to have the money, but... Yeah, that's all dressed Ooh. up on prom night with nobody coming over. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the names are... The free agent market's not what it used to be, first of all. You know, what if you go out and get Grendahl and Gregorius? That might be the best you can hope for. 
Puig may be the best you can hope for, and we saw what the offense did with Puig this this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of scary. I would be a little bit worried if I was the uh, the Reds' brain trust who have you know gone gone all in. I'm interested. I'm kind of interested to hear what the spin's going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, we got the nonsense earlier today about the or maybe it was last night about you know positive momentum and and all that kind of the same song and dance we got last year but i'm I'm interested to see what kind of expectations they are they believe they're setting yeah i'm afraid they're not going to be able to deliver i I think they're going to try and i do i do like the guys in charge and i think they at least have a more sense than the guys that preceded them but it's good they're gonna just thread the needle and maybe they can do it I, i don't know but I think they've got to get at least one of those guys we've just discussed. I think they've got to overpay even to get at least one of those guys. They've got to get another bat in this lineup. Yep. And if we go into the year next year with Philip Irvin as one of our guys that's going to be getting, you know, 400 at bats, I'm sorry. That's yeah. Not, that, that's not a playoff team. I like Irvin. Well, that's a, yeah. That, and I see, you know, I, I, for me, Van Meter's still in that camp. And, yeah, I agree. I agree. And Dietrich's in that camp. And it's and Aquino's in that camp. It's like, all oh, these guys are fine. But until they – you know, put up a year and a half of legitimate major league hitting and above average. You know, I can't get these guys up here and and have them be an average or a little bit below because Joey Votto is not going to keep carrying an offense. Suarez is not going to keep carrying an offense. Yeah. Not if you're all in, you've got to have, you got to have those guys performing next year. Yeah. And you know, and I, I'm kind of seeing what uh, Jesse Winker is probably going to be for his career. Yeah. So I don't know that average hitter who can't hit lefty lefty pitchers. Yeah, Jesse Winker is not going to be getting MVP votes. No, but he's a guy think. you can have in your lineup. You give him four hundred. No, yeah, he okay. is. But I mean, you can't have seven Jesse Winkers. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, Matt Sheary asks at patreoncom radio something you, someone you just mentioned. Do you think the Reds will bring up someone like Aristides Aquino, who's been killing it in AAA? I think. Yeah, I think he was removed from the game tonight. Uh, Louisville's game tonight in the fourth inning, and I believe he's probably on his way to Atlanta. Uh, he has been killing it, but and and you know, Aquino has had a great season. What's he got? Twenty-eight home runs, I think, in uh, in Louisville. He's a guy the Reds designated for assignment not too long ago, and no one claimed him. Yeah. So I mean, he's a Philip Irvin, maybe a lesser Philip Irvin. I mean, it took him to be twenty-five to get out of Double A. Yeah, so I would again. He's a guy I don't mind seeing the rest of the year just to see. But are we counting on him to be a starter? If you are, I think you're. In, I think you're going to be disappointed. So, yeah. Uh, John Sheary asks: Are you surprised Razel Iglesias wasn't traded at the deadline? It would be hard to foresee him in the Reds' long-term plan at the closer spot after his actions and results this year. Love viewing the podcast every week. Thank you, John. I wasn't surprised he wasn't traded. I was surprised his name wasn't mentioned more in the, in the rumors that were going around. Were you surprised? Uh, not surprised, but a little bit disappointed, I think. That would have been an instance of the Reds trading at the lowest value, though, wouldn't it? Or maybe it's the highest well, it's going to be. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't for- know that he – I mean, he's not, a, you know, he's not having an all-star season, but I don't know that he's got his values down in the dump, right. really. I, don't, I think that would have been a creative, aggressive move, in my opinion, that to, might be to deal your closer. Maybe, maybe they can do it in the off season. I don't know. That's what but there's a guy who, you know, my view on closers is they're they're replaceable. 
Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say was that, you know, he may be a guy that's in the offseason because he's going to have two years of control after this one still. So he's under contract for two <clears> more <throat> years. And so so maybe he finishes the season well and that, that can be guys that they piece together with someone else, I don't know, to get a to get a bat. To get a bat. They've got to get a bat or two. Andrew Scott Wills asks, on a scale of one to ten, what are the chances we get Puig back during free agency this offseason? And will the Reds even try? Scale of one to ten, chances we get Puig back during free agency this offseason. I say probably a two. Yeah, I'm right. I'm a two or three. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Everyone wants to point no. out Roldis Chapman, but they could have called him anytime this summer. So apparently they don't have his number. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or just, just wander downstairs. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't, maybe they didn't know which guy he was. <laughs> maybe. A maybe. lot of guys look like that. Well, they're all coloring their hair, different colors this year. Who could, who knows who they are? Who can be confused? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, um, and the question of, will the Reds even try? Oh, I think they'll probably make a call, but, uh, yeah. I mean, he's clearly going to be one of the better free agent bats out there. And who knows what the market will look like. We will see if he has a sour, a sour taste in his mouth because of getting traded. But uh, I don't think that uh, – I don't expect that to be the case. And I think that probably his experience in Cincinnati was very positive. And, uh, you know, I love the I love the story that after it was over, he went, he went and, and shook hands with each of the media members that were interviewing him after the trade and, and thanked them you know, as he was leaving the clubhouse. I mean, you know, who does that? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he's a good guy. So I think the Reds will try – I would love to see them bring him back. I expect he's going to be maybe the most sought after free agent uh, hitter. Maybe. Well, especially if he if he hits down the stretch and into the playoffs with Cleveland. I mean, he 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 doesn't. What he's done to date doesn't matter. Yeah. For his free agent candidacy, if he if he carries that team. What if he goes nuts to, in October? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Then he's on the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good luck with that. Thomas Dennis asks, what do you think is the grand strategy of the trades? In my opinion, it is the Reds clearing the deck, making a statement to 21 or 22 guys on the roster that we are sticking with you. They hit the market for an outfit or second baseman, bullpen, and if Alex Wood doesn't sign, maybe another starting pitcher. Hernandez and Hughes are replaceable. Those options allow uh, Van, Van Meter and Urban to compete for roles as a backup. They take a run at Puig, but it's tough to gauge what is on Puig's mind. I mean, I don't know about a statement. I think all that's, uh, I think all that's true. I don't have any issue with what you uh, say there, Thomas. The, the part I want to talk about though is Alex Wood. Uh, what do, What do you do with Alex Wood if you're the Reds? If, you, if you're I think, Reds? I think it's clear Alex Wood's gone. I mean, I, I don't see how they can, uh, they can afford it, but I don't see how they're going to choose to allocate their budget dollars in a way that puts that much money in the starting rotation. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on whether Alex Wood feels like there's any kind of a, a future for him on the free agent market this year based upon what's happened. And it depends on how much the Reds tell themselves they have to spend this winter. So I really want to see them sign Alex Wood. <laughs> a rotation I, with Castillo yeah. and Gray and Bauer and Alex Wood and, and and for three of those guys for more for past next year makes me very happy. Um, you're right. There are going to be some complications. I'd love I'd love to see him back. I mean, I, I really think he's a good pitcher, and I also really think that there's a pretty good likelihood that one of Bauer, Gray, 
Castillo or Wood would be hurt next year anyway. And yeah. so let's let's add the depth. You're gonna, you're going to need more than uh, five pitchers. They always do. So, yeah. Good question, Thomas. Will Delaney asks, Will Delaney, man, I think that's one of the characters on Stranger Things, right? Wasn't his name? It might be. I think so. Uh, While his numbers haven't been earth-shattering, it seems like Yasiel Puig's brief Reds tenure was one of the best, most enjoyable short stints with the club for a player I can recall. The only one I can think of similarly might be Kevin Mitchell. Do the authors of The Big 50 the many moments that made the Cincinnati Reds have any other comparable Reds careers to Puig brief, but at least decent numbers wise and rather unforgettable. Well, I, I think I, I would quibble with the word unforgettable. I don't think Puig is going to be unforgettable. I'm going to remember this uh, for a long time. And Kevin Mitchell uh, as well. That guy, man, that's a, maybe the best hitter I've ever seen on the Reds in the short yep. period. He's with the Reds. And that sounds crazy, but I think so. so- so I love this question. I, I really love this question. And Kevin Mitchell was the guy who sprang to my mind right away. Was there? Did you? So I did a little cheating. I did a little a little research on on Baseball Reference, and I've got a list. But did you? Uh, who else did, are you thinking about? Uh, only a Chris Steins. <laughs> well, I, I, I really don't. I can't. I couldn't think of anyone off the top of my head. You so so what I did? Well, what I what I did? These are guys who who had. Between 300 and 1,000 at-bats as a red. So kind of around um, the amount Puig had, uh, you know, but less than two full seasons. So Mitch, and I, Mitchell's the best one by far. I mean, Mitchell had a, over 1,000 OPS back in the mid-'90s on the, for, as a red. And if you didn't see but, him, you don't understand. He was a beast. I, I mean, the balls time. were lopsided after he hit them. It was great. So a couple others that are that in retrospect you'll probably say, oh yeah, of course, Ron Gant. Yeah, of course. Shinsu Chu, of course. Josh Hamilton, of course. No, I he did Hamilton to me. That was a cool story. He did not have the same he wasn't magic. Yet. What's that? He wasn't Hamilton yet. He wasn't Josh Hamilton yet. I mean, no, he was good with the Reds, but he wasn't. He yeah he was pretty good two ninety two three sixty eight five fifty four, but I, I think that was the summer I was moving cross country so I was a little bit checked out, and then the other uh, one other guy was Jose Guillen. Oh yeah, who I think he when 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 Puig arrived I thought Guillen was the best comp for interesting for a lot of different ways. Now he didn't Puig didn't rise to the occasion the way Guillen did as a red, but I thought. You know, similar body type, similar kind of underachieving, drifting career. Both had great arms, both played right field. And that was kind of my my upside hope for Puig. Yeah. A year or two ago, I, I, was, I was looking at something else, and I ran across uh, Jose Guillen's numbers, and it really surprised me. I didn't remember how good he was as a Red. He, he was really good. He was really good. Yeah, I didn't, and then I think I didn't remember it for some reason. What did he bring back, Joe, uh, Joe Valentine? Joe Valentine. Oh. oh, and harangue. Never mind. It was harangue oh, and Joe Valentine. Go. Well, that's good. That's what. That's right. All right, and then one more name, since you brought up Steins, and I was going to use. I was going to throw this name at you, with regard to Philip Irvin and Josh Van Meter, and that's John Nunnally. Yeah, Steins' uh, running partner. Yeah, yeah. I mean Nunnally, he came over here and he hit three eighteen four hundred six oh two slugging, in a, in sixty five game stretch in nineteen ninety seven. And he was 25, and we all thought this is going to be the guy. Yep. And he got the job to start 
1998, and he hit 207. Are you you suggesting that John Nunley wasn't as good as we thought? I don't know. I'm suggesting that his most similar batter in baseball reference is Scott Schebler. Remember Scott Schebler? Uh, I, I heard of him. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I agree. I've told you. I agree about Van Meter. I'm. I know that I'm way ahead of myself on that. We got another question about him later, so I'm gonna. We're gonna talk a little more Van Meter in just a moment. Nathan Price asks, "What a crazy trade deadline ranked one to three? If Chad or Chris were Dick Williams this off season, and thank goodness we are not, what would your priorities be? Because we would screw things up. Is the reason I say that. Uh, ranked one to three, outfield help, middle infield, and bullpen. Yes. I mean, those are the three categories he suggested, and that's how he ranked them. Is that that's the way you ranked them? Oh, as well? oh, I was just, I was choosing them all. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I think outfield is first, middle infield. They got second baseman coming out of their ears, and apparently there's an inexhaustible supply of second baseman who can hit. It must be. And and I'm okay if they put Peraza back at short. I can live with that. Yeah, yeah. So, but the outfield they got to, like I said, they got it. They need an all star. It's absolutely number one priority. No question. Clayton Duncan asks, Dear Red Leg Nation Radio, it's been one day since our friend Yasiel Puig was traded. I already miss seeing him and his blonde hair in right field, but we must carry on. Who do you think will be the starting right fielder and second baseman for the Reds on opening day next year? And the second question was, will they keep Jose Iglesias for next season? So first question, who do you think is going to be the starting right fielder and second baseman for the Reds on opening day? Oh, Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking. And uh, Chase Utley. Chase Chase Utley. Uh, what year is I this? don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no. I think that. I think that Josh Van Meter is going to be the starting second baseman, and the starting right fielder is going to be Philip Urban. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. I'm worried about that, but I th- that's. I think that's the most likely scenario. There's no way that I'm going to feel good about that. No. It may work out. Oh, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. It may work out just fine. But there's no way that I'm going to be comfortable with that start. You know what I mean? At the start yeah. of the year. Because I'm going to write off the next two months. And I'm really going to write off spring spring training stats. I remember Scott Shebler. <laughs> right, yeah. Do they keep Jose Iglesias next season? Asks Clayton. I gotta say, I, I kind of hope not. I, I kind of think they might, though. Yeah, I think maybe two. They might. He's he's not. He's great with a glove. He's been fantastic. He can't hit. No, he can't really hit. I mean, he runs into the ball here and there. Yeah, every once in a while, he does have you know like what seven or eight home runs, which is you know more than he's ever had. But he really can't hit. No, he really can't hit. Yeah, so there's a I, I think I, I think I'd rather just have Peraza. It's not like they've got some massive ground ball pitching staff. Yeah, Nathan Price. But he is. Oh, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. Iglesias is leading the team in batting average. So there you go. There you have it. That can't be true. Best hitter on the team. He is the best hitter on the team. Wow. Two eighty batting average. Man, he would have been an all star. You know, like forty years ago. He really would have been an all-star. Yeah. Maybe an MVP candidate. Yeah. 40 years ago. What a time to be alive. Nathan Price asks, I'll ask two questions. Dick Williams said today. And by the way, Nathan, you, you may ask two questions. 
Dick we may Williams, not answer two questions. But he can ask. Yeah, it's Dick, fair. Dick Williams said today the Reds were in the running for Stroman. Assuming, and we can't assume this, that they had checked in on the asking price for Bauer at that point, too, why wouldn't they go for the cheaper and arguably same pitcher? Uh, that's just one question, Nathan. Yeah. You've, you've confused me. So uh, why wouldn't they if they let's say they, they had a choice on both of them? I, I think what you what? said earlier is probably the case because it was reported that the, the Blue Jays were looking for pitching prospects, and the Reds don't have those. Yeah, that's my best guess. I mean, it could just well be that they like Bauer stuff. And those guys, you know what I mean? They know what they're looking at a whole lot more than I do in terms of in terms of scouting, advanced metrics, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think we can discount the uh, the driveline stuff because Caleb Cotham, assistant pitching coach, he worked for driveline and knew Bauer from that time. And, and, and you can't uh, discount the fact that maybe D- Derek Johnson – who has a lot of cachet in this organization right at this moment, uh, thanks primarily to Sonny Gray. Uh, you know, he he may have just thought Bauer was a better bet. Uh, you know, I don't know. I I think if I'm going to give up, uh, well, I'd rather have given up what it costs to get Stroman, I think. So Hooper Powell asks, who are your top three favorite TV characters? This is a quick one. Uh, he says, in no order, Ron Swanson, Dwight Schrute, and Cosmo Kramer. And he asks, does Clint Hurdle spend as much time in the tanning bed as David Hasselhoff spends in the sand? So that's two questions. Uh, you got a quick top three favorite TV characters? Of those three? No, just a, a period. Oh, oh. Uh, Jim Rockford, uh, Al Swearingen, and... You took mine, by the way. I was going to say Ron Swanson. I agree with Hooper on that one. And I was going to say Al Swearingen, who is the best character in the history of television. Yeah, he really is. And, yeah, I'll go with uh, him or whatever. I'll go with Lenny. Oh, not Squiggy? No, no, I'm talking about Lenny. You know my love of Laverne and Shirley, but Lenny from The Simpsons. Oh, that's the reason I thought you were talking about Laverne and Shirley. Lenny from The Simpsons. All right. Uh, Rich Thompson. Let's see if we can get through this one quickly. Rich, Rich you wrote a lot here, buddy. The recent moves by the Reds' front office potentially upgraded the rotation for the remainder of the season for 2020. Trade of Scooter has also created an opportunity to possibly get Van Meter more at-bats to see if he's viable long-term. I personally like this move. Now I think it's essential for the Reds to try to add more offense to support the starting pitching in the coming offseason. My approach would be to target Major League Ready or near-ready talent from other teams that are blocked positionally. With that said, I'd like to trade for the likes of uh, Clint Frazier from the Yankees and shortstop Carter, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, Kiboom, Kiboom from the Nationals. To make this happen, I feel it's likely the Reds will have to offer top five talent from the minor league system. You think this is a viable approach to move the team forward, and do you think Reds management has given thought to such a tactic too? I'm sure that Reds management has. I, like we said earlier, I'm not sure the Reds have the have the prospect depth. Maybe for a Clint Frazier, I was really surprised Frazier didn't get dealt at the yeah. trade deadline. Um, but I, I, I don't know. They've I don't who are they who are they can trade. I mean, I mean, really, Hunter Green. And Jonathan India are the only guys, right? Yeah, and they're not really uh, at yeah. the peak of their value, right? I mean, they're not. You know, Green. You know, Green has great upside, just fantastic upside. But uh, I don't know. You know, I really, I really don't know that uh, what you what you can give up to get a, a legitimate guy. Clint Frazier, I thought, would have fit in well. I mean, he's not an all-star talent like you were talking about, but I think he still would have fit in well with this team. 
I don't know. That's uh, the Reds management is going to have to uh, think long and hard because they've got some big uh, issues to resolve this off season and how they do that. It's going to be an interesting off season because how they do that is is going to be fascinating. All right, uh, quickly here. Let's do some. Uh, we keep saying rapid fire at the end of every episode, and we end up not doing rapid fire. So let's try to do rapid fire answers for some viewer mail questions from uh, Twitter.com/slash/RedLegRadio. Are you on the on the Twitter machine? I have visited that website yeah. occasionally. It's the worst. It is. It's the absolute worst. Doug Gray at Doug Dirt Twenty Four on Twitter. Um, I thought I'd block that guy, but uh, he uh, he tweeted a viewer mail question hashtag from actual viewers and i forgot to mention that earlier these are all actual letters from actual viewers as the biggest josh van meter shill around shill s-h-i-l-l i know i talk crazy so i wanted to make sure i'm not sure everyone could understand what i said i want your opinions on his role with the team moving forward also when will he be inducted into the hall of fame I'm sorry to tell you, Doug, Josh Van Meter is not going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He will be a Reds Hall of Fame. Yeah, Dan Dreesen's in there. <laughs> but he's not going into the uh, National Hall of Fame. Josh Van Meter's career depends on the next two months. That's that's my opinion. Uh, uh, well, how his career goes is going to depend largely on the next two months. Is he going to be a starter in the big leagues? We'll find out after the next two months. Is he going to be just a you know sort of a decent guy to have around? We'll find out after the next two months. That's my opinion. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no. If he's going to be a, a, a have a major league career, you're going to know in the next two months. If he's just going to be a guy who you see periodically, he could still be that. That's kind of unfair to him, but I think at least the next two months will give us a full season's worth of data here on whether he is kind of a, the guy that he sort of looks like or whether we're seeing small sample size noise. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got to be just, you know, he's got a big poster of uh, uh, Justin Turner on his wall every night. Yeah. <laughs> looking up at it and saying, I can be that guy. Former Reds farmhand, Justin Turner. WV Redlegs at WV Meat Slinger. Huh. I love Twitter. What should the Reds do at catcher moving forward? Hash Brown Viewer Mail. That's another thing that the Reds are really going to have to address, but the difference there is that that's not exactly a position where there's a lot of value to go out and get. I mean, you know. Uh... You just got to be – you have to be opportunistic with catchers, I think. You just – I don't know. I don't. I, you never see those guys coming, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was really hopeful Tyler Stevenson, former first-round pick, would take a huge step forward this year and, and be in the mix. You know, he's a double-A, so if he has a great year in double-A, he's in the mix to at least uh, – he's on the radar anyway for the big league team. It's not happened so far, but I, th- I mean, he's still in the mix, but not for next year. So, um, Kyle Kapler, who'd you like to see in right next season, and why? I think we both agree, Giancarlo Stanton. We already said that, uh, and why? Obviously, because he's great. Sydney Price, hashtag viewer mail. If we keep Alex Wood and Bauer, who should be our number five starter? Disco, Mally, Sal, or an outsider? Willie Mopena. <laughs> Willie Mopena. Wow. He's making a comeback on the mound. No, I don't care. I, I mean, if you have those four, I don't care That's who the true. fifth guy is. And, uh, it could be Eric Milton. <laughs> well, now, let's not get silly here. All right. 
Anthony Scalfani or Tyler Malley, either one. I, I would prefer. Well, I don't know who I prefer. Whatever. It's a fifth starter, uh, but either one of those guys would be among the better fifth starters in baseball, probably. Eric at Eric3287 asks, the Reds seem to be in the same position this offseason they were last year, only reversed. Ten holes on offense. They hope to fill with unproven guys. With no big free agents and only India left in minor league baseball, how do they get better in 2020? Hope is not a strategy. Eric, we've really kind of already answered that. It's a good question. I should have read that before I... I like the way that guy thinks. I do as well. Um, He said a lot of the things that we've been saying. Uh, Mr. Saturday Night asks, why can't nacho fries be a permanent menu item at Taco Bell? I don't know that I've eaten at Taco Bell since college, Chris. Uh, you know, I'll end up there every now and then, but neither my wife nor my kids like it. So it's few and far between. And I didn't know they had nacho fries. Uh, you like, uh, you like the Dorito, I guess kind of Dorito taco. Ah, uh, that's like eating a bag of salt. Oh my goodness. Really? Yeah. I always wanted to try one of those. Are they still around or is that, is that a permanent menu item? Mr. Saturday night, let us know. Um, Kyle Kapler asks, where would you be eating lunch if, if you found out that uh, you'd been traded, just like we said earlier, uh, our buddy Tanner O'Rourke was eating at Arby's. Where would you be eating lunch if you, at the time you found out that you'd been traded? I'm going to go with, uh, oh man, that's a part of the best question we've had today. I really like that question. I'm going to say, can I say, I'm going to go with Carl's Jr. Do they have Carl's Jr. where you live? No, we have Hardee's. Ah, so you'd be on the West Coast when you were traded. Exactly, because I was playing for the Dodgers at the time. They've traded me back east to play for the Reds. Yeah, well, I guess I'd be I'd be on the same team as you eating In-N-Out Burger. Oh, there we go. There's your answer. Um, let's see what we got. Uh, Chris C. at Cotman26 asks, Guys, don't you think Taylor Tr- Tr- Trammell could have been used to get a better piece than one year of Bauer? Well, first of all, it's a year and two months of Trevor Bauer. I've been told. Again, I think it depends on what. I don't know how teams value Taylor Trammell and how the Reds know. do either. So I thought so, but I don't know. I would have thought so, and now I'm not so sure. Oh, let's see. Uh, Matthew Runyon, I like this question. We don't really have an answer, uh, but I like the question, so I'm going to read it anyway. Has any team ever traded the current day's cleanup hitter two days in a row? <laughs> <laughs> Puig and Scooter have hit a cleanup the last two days, and they've both been traded. I bet that's that fantastic. Is, yeah, I bet that's the first ever. Um, Jordan Biddle, JBids37 asks, people see the Bauer trade as a bad trade, but I personally think that, uh, Ted Trammell was overrated, which is another Billy Hamilton and Puig was tough, but we got a really good picture out of him. What do you think about this trade altogether? Well, we've already said all that, but I think that just under the Billy Hamilton is probably not the case with, uh, Trammell because Hamilton never could figure out how to get on base. And, and I'm sure that, uh, Taylor will be able to get on base. So... But Jordan thinks the trade was phenomenal. I think it was uh, okay if I look at it one way, maybe not okay if I look at it another way. Uh, let's see. We only, Here's an interesting question, and we're rapid fire, remember. D.L. Khan asks, we're only two months away from the end of the last season of the 2010s. Will Joey Votto be the starting first baseman on an all-decade team? Are there any other Reds that might get consideration? The 2010, oh, sorry, Major League Baseball all-decade team. Okay. 
Uh, he'll be the Reds' first baseman on the all-decade team for the Reds' all-decade team. I don't see him being the starting first baseman. Well, maybe. I don't know. You know what? He was MVP in 2010. What? First baseman's had a better I don't, decade. I think I mean, he might I, be. You think you want to talk about Albert Pujols, but I don't uh, – let me, let me look at this here real quick. Yeah, that's, a, well, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, I uh, – he, He's the first baseman that I can think of that was really kind of in his prime for most of the decade. So you would think him. Yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of that Jack Morris thing, right? It's, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, the best player of the, of the decade because the decade happened to line up with his career precisely. <laughs> right, right. Pujols certainly had a higher – you know, the top level of his career was higher than Joey Votto's. I think we can agree on that. But but yeah, his his uh, his his peak was pretty well over, you know, in 2013 or whatever. Yeah, right. So, so, in terms of wins above replacement in the decade of 2000s to 2019, Joey Votto is the highest ranking first baseman. There you go. Second place, Miguel Cabrera, who's really not a first baseman, and then Paul Goldschmidt. That's who's the guy I was good, thinking of, Goldschmidt. Uh, was yeah, Goldschmidt's the only first baseman really who's close than Freddie Freeman. Yeah, Freeman. That's but they're all pretty far behind. Votto's at fifty-one point six, Goldschmidt forty-two, and and Freeman thirty-six. So I think pretty clearly he's the the premier first baseman of the decade. Yeah, great question at DL Con. Everyone go follow at DL Con for that great question. Uh, any other Reds might get consideration? No. Well, there's one. Can you think of any other Reds that might get consideration for the all-decade team? Consideration. Not, not maybe being on the team, but might get consideration. I can oh. think of one. Can you think of any? Johnny Cueto? Ooh, Cueto. I was thinking of Chapman? Oh, those are both uh, possibilities. I don't think they win, but they might be in the article. They're in the, yeah, they're in the conversation. The guy I was do thinking think? of, I wasn't thinking of either of those guys, but I think those are good uh, questions. I was thinking, Lisa Alberto. Bonnie. It's been way too long. <laughs> it really has. I, I hadn't launched that in a little while, so I thought we needed to. Uh, anyway, that's a great question and a, interesting. I like those. Uh, I'm a sucker for stuff like the lists, like all decade teams, stuff like that, for whatever reason. Derek Jones asks if the Reds are all in for 2020. Is Jose Peraza the long term solution at shortstop, or do the Reds need to look elsewhere to fill that position? Does this make it more likely they sell the farm for Lindor this offseason? I would love to have Francisco Lindor. Oh, man. I don't. I don't see how it happens. I don't either, but I'd like to see a try. What do you think about Peraza? Peraza, I'm not. I'm not giving up on Peraza yet. He's can be a pretty good player. I think he's he's a unique player. He kind of is what he is. But uh, you can't. You, you can get by with him at short. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to progress defensively. He's, I can, he's acceptable. Is he going to be Jose Iglesias? Probably never, but very few are. I don't know that I've seen very many in my lifetime in a Reds uniform as good as Iglesias defensively. I think he's going to hit some. He has well-publicized flaws offensively, but I think he's going to hit enough. You know, I'm okay. If, if Jose Peraza is the shortstop and they've upgraded elsewhere, I can live with that. It depends on upgrading elsewhere. If you haven't upgraded at... Uh, second base or right field or catcher really tough to have Jose Peraza because you just can't count on him. I mean, you know, uh, he's not going to be consistent. The nature of his, uh, game is uh, contact and sometimes he goes into these slumps. So, but yeah, give me Francisco Lindor. 
All right, let's see what we got. Um, Tom Short asks, uh, given where the Reds are, post-trade deadline, more important for the rest to add a rotation arm or middle of the lineup bat for 2020. I think it's 100% middle of the lineup bat. I agree. But I wanted to ask, to ask that question. We'd kind of already discussed that, but I wanted to mention that one because his hashtag that he put on his uh, on his uh, Twitter question there was hashtag new Malcolm Brogdon fan. Who think about that, Chris Garber. Malcolm Brogdon. Pretty good. UVA st- superstar who is now a an Indiana Pacer. So, uh, Jason Lawrence asks, uh, did we throw in the towel for this year by trading Puig and Scooter? That's what you said earlier. You think we, you really think we threw in the Reds threw in the towel? Uh, yeah, I do. I think they realized that they're not going to get it done, so they were going to make the moves they had to make. If you say so. Last question here by Roger Fletcher at R Fletcher two four seven. So if you want to get Roger Fletcher Roger Fletcher's thoughts twenty four seven, you'll follow him at R Fletcher two four seven. After this last fight, is David Bell the best Reds manager of all time? We haven't really touched on the fight much with the Pirates. Uh, I think we're ju- judging it based on th- those terms. Yeah, David Bell is because he was ejected from the game and he came thundering out of the clubhouse to try to kill Clint Hurdle, the Pirates manager. And it was, I don't know, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I see why he feels that way. Uh, my last thing for you is, how surreal, how cool, I don't know what the term is to use here, but was the fact that uh, Yasiel Puig was out there going nuts and fighting people 25 minutes after he had become a member of the Cleveland Indians. Yeah, you know, that's that's just madness, isn't it? It's completely insane. What if, what if the guy gets hurt? Gets hurt? Yeah, I don't. What were the what were the Indians thinking? I mean, don't they? Isn't taking the guy off the field the norm? David Bell said that he was uh, walking down to tell David, or excuse me, Dick Williams said he was walking downstairs to tell David Bell to remove Puig from the game when all that went when all that happened. But it was you know it was twenty five minutes at least after it had been reported widely. That he'd been traded. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, Winker knew, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That's a there's a great. If you haven't seen the clip of uh, some fan out in the outfield telling Jesse Winker about the trade, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good clip. Um, but anyway, what do you, uh, last question that I have for you? This is not uh, hash brown viewer mail, but last question I have for you is this: What did you think about Amir Garrett sprinting to the Pirates dugout and attempting to take on every single Pittsburgh Pirate? Oh, man. You know, I can't. I know as a grown man, I have to say that was wrong. <laughs> and I had to tell my my son, who's a bit of a hot-headed player himself, <laughs> that that was not something he could think about doing. Chip off the old block. But, man, oh, man, did I really love that. I did, too. And, and my son is a little older than your oldest son. Uh, but he uh, he was sitting there watching it with me. And uh, I, I had to have that same conversation. You know, listen, you can't be doing that, but... He's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I kind of had to agree. Uh, oh, I, I jumped up out of my chair and shouted out. <laughs> How much my do we heart love was pumping. I love Amir Garrett more than any former St. John's basketball player that's ever played. Wow. Even Walter Berry? <laughs> Are you kidding? I dislike every single St. John's basketball player except for Amir Garrett. Fair. I'm a Georgetown Hoya guy. 
All right. Any final thoughts for us about the trade deadline, about uh, oh, just any kind of thoughts you got for us, Chris? No, I'm, you know, interested. I hope it all works out, I guess is what I would say. Uh, you know, I can I can have my opinions about the players the Reds traded for in a way, and uh, we'll see how it goes as far as, how, you know, watching them and cheering for them. But uh, don't get me wrong, I, I hope everybody plays really well for the Reds, and I hope Taylor Trammell and Yasiel Puig play really well for the new team. So, Yeah, I think that's the, the right way to put it, is that I, I hope it works out. I'm not sure that it is going to work out, but... It could. Uh, you know, it wasn't a great trade. It wasn't an awful trade, probably, but I just hope that it all works out. I'm I'm not convinced. Whatever. This is episode number 280 of Red Leg Nation Radio. Thanks for joining us again this week. Actually, this will be, we're going to drop this one day early. This will be the third podcast we've posted uh, in a week, so in less than a week. So that's, uh, man, you're getting all this content for free. Wow. It's worth every penny. He's Chris Garber at uh, C Garber 8. Am I right there? That's it. See you great. And uh, I'm at Dotson C on Twitter, although I'm not on there as often as I used to be, but still, if you want to find what I have to say, you're there. We're at Red Leg Radio. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. We're, I think, everywhere you can get podcasts. I believe we're there at this time. Chris is also uh, the one of the authors of the fabulous book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds, available wherever you buy all your fine books. Go to Amazon.com or wherever and order that son of a gun right now. Go order it. Order it. Supplies are running out. Supplies are running out. Uh, For Chris Garber and our buddy Yasiel Puig, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.